want to go live on video but are a bit unsure where to start? Or maybe you already go live a lot but you are scared to sell. Download for free the Live Authentic Storytelling Guide. Six steps to infuse storytelling into your live videos. You'll get practical structure to help you convert your audience from raving fans to loyal customers. Go to www.livestorytellingguide.com and get your free guide today. Good day, my friends, and thank you so very much for listening to the Nick Demas Show podcast. We really, really, really appreciate you here. I want you to know that, and I am so honored that you spend some time with me each week. So today's episode is for those of you out there that are about to begin to hire, maybe it's your first hire. If you've never hired anybody before, this is a great episode to listen to. Or if you're ready for your next hire or to build your team or you need some HR help, again, this is a great episode. My friend Courtney Badger is here. She is a digital leadership coach. And she really helps turn online entrepreneurs into digital leaders. She teaches self-trust, empowerment, communication, and delegation. She has spent 17 years in corporate HR, and she uses that experience to help entrepreneurs build their empire and leave their legacy. So without further ado, let's welcome Courtney. This is the Creative Soulpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Demas. Let's go. Okay, my friends, welcome back to the Nick Demas Podcast. I have with me today my friend Courtney. Welcome. Thank you so much, Nick. I'm super excited to be here. So, look, my audience doesn't know you. This, you are new to, to pretty much everyone probably in my audience because, and this is one of the reasons I really wanted to bring you on, your background is so very different than the majority of my guests and the majority of my audience, but I know they're going to be attracted to you and your message because I am. <laughs> so, so why don't you back up for me and tell me a bit about your background so that the audience, hi audience, so you all can hear and know about you. My name is Courtney Badger, and I am a digital leadership coach. I support people stepping from solopreneurs into leaders. I have 17 years in corporate HR experience, and I have decided to take my corporate HR experience and put it into my coaching business. I started my coaching business really not knowing what I wanted to talk about, what I wanted to do. I just knew I loved coaching and had a passion for it and was sick of corporate America. But I had this intuitive feeling that I was really going to miss my corporate career in the way like I actually loved working in HR and I loved supporting people and becoming better leaders and creating better places to work. And there was something that was still holding me to my job because I felt sad that I wasn't going to get to do it anymore. Mm. And I realized, wait, coaches are building businesses too, where they hire people and no one's supporting them on how to hire people. And there's a lot of people in the coaching space that became millionaires in their 20s who've never had a job. And they have no idea how to hire, how to be a leader, 
And that's what I did. I literally talked to leaders all day, teaching them how to have difficult conversations, how to hire the right people, how to support people, how to train people, how to be a better leader, which everyone who owns their own business wants to be a better leader in order to grow their business. One of the things, when I first met you, which was several years back, Mm -hmm. you had a completely different niche, which I really appreciate you being really honest and saying, I didn't know what I wanted. And you, what has been great to, for me to witness is this evolution that in many ways has been a coming back around, right? Coming to what you know, what you really love, what you're passionate about, and filling this space, this need, right, that you saw in the marketplace, which is really quite brilliant. So go back to this corporate career. And when you say I was in HR, for somebody who's never been in corporate, because like I said, the majority of my audience don't even know what that means, other than they're like some evil thing out there somewhere. <laughs> what does it mean to be in HR? What is it? What are like the day? What do you do daily? Like, what is it that you do? So I've had a lot of different roles in human resources. I have done, I've worked as a recruiting assistant. I've done training. I have done employee relations and employee relations is where you support managers to deal with any issues that come to employees, policy violations, difficult conversations, firing. I don't really do hiring in that role. I mean, HR is a huge field. There are so many things that you can do in HR. The thing that most of my career has been focused on has been leadership development and also working with managers on issues with employees. So on a day-to-day basis, things could be really different. One day you could be dealing with someone, a team member who was doing drugs, and another day you could be dealing with someone who needs support because they want to promote someone. When I ran large not-for-profit, I had a staff of a team of, you know, people, and one of them ended up in prison, (laughs) in jail, right? And I had to go down to the jail and fire him. And I remember thinking in that moment, damn, we need an HR director. (laughs) I remember when I was working at a large corporation that I was working at, and we had a no call, no show rule. So if you did not call in three days into work, you got terminated. It was Mm -hmm. three days in a row. And you could only get so many no call, no shows on your record. And we had someone in prison. And so that was the reason he no call, no showed. He was actually a pretty good team member, and I didn't want to have to fire him, but it was the policy. I was like, sorry if you can't call us from prison to call out of work. Like, I have to fire you. It was sort of similar, to be honest. Yeah. And I also learned some really valuable lessons during that experience because he also had knowledge that nobody else in the company had. Mm. And I realized at that moment, oh, wow, every single operation needs to have double coverage, at least triple coverage, et cetera, right? Because I had to go down with a clipboard and a piece of paper and a pen and ask him questions. And I had them prioritized. So by the point, the point that he re- realized that I was going to fire him, you know, those were like the questions that weren't needed. I mean, it was that crazy. So that's really interesting. And I have to say this, a little birdie told me, and I want to know if this is true, that you worked at maybe my favorite superstore ever, Target. I did work at Target. <laughs> I worked at Target, Wells Fargo, Disney, and Pitney Bowes. Um, and then I also did HR for the New Zealand Fire Service. Those are very different businesses. What did you learn from each of those? At Disney, 
I learned that you need to pay people well in order to keep people. You can't just sprinkle fairy dust on people. Wait, it's not all magic? No, they want you to believe it is, and they try to brainwash you into believing that you can be poor and have magic, but no, doesn't work that way. So at Target, I learned that stop stressing over the little things unless someone is bleeding or dying. Like, I wasn't a doctor, so don't take things so seriously because they would literally make you think that the world was ending, and this girl told me, we sell toilet paper and toothpaste. Don't take anything that seriously. And it did really help me to create boundaries in the workplace and realize they didn't need to take anything that seriously because I am not a doctor and nobody is on an operating table. I think that's good advice for any business owner, any mm-hmm. business period, but particularly those of us that are entrepreneurs and anybody who is a solopreneur who's moving into building a team, you can't take it all on. Like the world is not going to end. You're, like you said, you're selling toothpaste and toilet paper. This is not a life or death moment. And it's always so good to remember that. Yeah. And if you have a client who feels like they have a life or death moment, they need to call their therapist or 911. Like, you're not the person <laughs> they need to call. Like, <laughs> Truth. So, Truth. At Pitney Bowes, I really learned about selling because I did sales training. So learn more about selling. And then at the New Zealand Fire Service, I learned that you can really care about your employees and make it a beautiful place to work and still have a functioning workplace. I don't feel like I ever worked somewhere where I like felt this genuine care for the people that worked there until I worked at the fire service. Nice. So all of that background, that training, that knowledge that you gathered really has led you into the online space. How did you first hear about the online coaching space? Like, what was it that drew you in? So when I got back from, so I was at Target one day and I literally had the worst day or worst week at work. And I'd remembered this guy that I had dated back in my twenties. And he had mentioned wanting to move to New Zealand or Australia at some point. And there was this thing called a working holiday visa and you could only get it until you were 30. I was about to turn 30. And I was at my job that I didn't love, not making a lot of money, working a crap ton of hours. And I remember going home from work and thinking, I want to live in another country and I don't want to regret missing that opportunity. And my roommate happened to have a friend in town who had just got back from living in New Zealand. And I chat with her and she's like, you should definitely live in New Zealand. So I decided to apply for my visa because I had my master's degree. I didn't have to pay a fee. It said it was going to take six to eight weeks to get approved. I got approved in 48 hours. I literally go to work and I remember telling my manager at Target, I'm moving to New Zealand. Wow. And I remember he like looks at me shocked. And this was March and we set out a plan. Like I wasn't quitting immediately. I needed to put a lot of things in place, but I sold everything. I quit my job and I moved to New Zealand and I actually got fired. I was supposed to quit in June and I forgot to set the alarm in May and I got fired. So I moved there in August and I loved living over there. I traveled, but I still thought I had to come back to corporate America. I come home. I can't find a job. I basically keep getting told in interview after interview, I'm not employable. They're afraid I might leave again, or I'm the second person in line. And I just hit roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. So in comes Beachbody. 
and I started Beachbody. And that was how I got introduced into any kind of online space. I do remember before I went traveling, I had a friend who got her life coaching certification and I thought she was crazy. And I was like, what are you going to do with that? Like, what is that? What is yeah. that? Yeah. Well, okay. And speaking of what is that? Beachbody. I had never heard of Beachbody until just a couple of years ago when I entered the coaching world. I was like, and people kept talking about Beachbody, Beachbody this. Beach, and I was like, finally, one day I was in a mastermind call and I said, you guys, will somebody please tell me what the hell Beachbody is? Because I had no idea. So if, if anybody out there has never heard of Beachbody, apparently I'm kind of cuckoo for not having heard of it. What is Beachbody? It is an online health and wellness fitness company. So they have shakes like protein shakes and some other products now. And then they offer workouts, which when I was working with them, they were DVDs, but now everything's like streamed online Netflix style. And then you have coaches that work with you to help other people become health and fitness coaches. It's an MLM. So you earn your income through growing your team. Gotcha. And speaking of growing a team, this is somewhere where you really shine, obviously, from your background. What does it mean to you to be a good leader? What does a good leader look like? A good leader is someone who is willing to empower those around them to create empowered people. When you feel as empowered as a leader, you're willing to empower others to feel empowered to shine. And so your focus is less on yourself and it's more about how can I help these other people shine? And not in this self-sacrificing way, but in this way of, I have this vision and I know in order to fulfill this vision, I need to be lifted up and supported. And so as these people lift up and support me, I'm giving them support. And it's like this ever growing organism that you're feeding life into them and then they're feeding life into you. Yeah, I love that. One of the things that I always say is that I don't want to be the smartest person in the room. I don't want to be the most talented person in the room. I want to be the person that holds vision so that I can empower the smartest people that I can possibly find to take an idea or a whatever it is that I'm creating and they can take it to the next level. That by bringing what they have to offer, which is far greater than I could ever you know, envision, because I can't know everything, but bringing their expertise to it and taking it to the next level, that to me is empowered leadership. When you empower them to do that, would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, if you can empower someone to live in their expertise in a way that they can express themselves or they feel safe to do so, like that just creates so much empowerment in them. It creates empowerment in you. And it allows the business to grow in a way that's beautiful. And it is also a way to put people above profits. And when you put people above profits, you always make more profits. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had to learn some of those lessons the hard way when I first started. And I think a lot of people do. You know, I think that when I first began having teams, I would micromanage a bit, right? Because I, I think there was a part of me that was scared. What do you say to people that are like, but I'm scared to let go? You always will be. It's not like this feeling of, oh, it feels safe and comfortable. First off, entrepreneurship is not safe and comfortable. So if you're an entrepreneur, like you're probably not safe and comfortable. And there is this level of self-trust that you need to build your solopreneur business. And they think, okay, I fully trust myself. It's these people that can't do the job. No, when you hire people, you have to build a new level of self-trust. 
and be aware of that. So knowing that it's going to be hard to let go, knowing that it's not always going to work out perfect, know that you're going to make mistakes, they're going to make mistakes. And so going into it with this learner mindset, because leaders are learners. And if you're willing to learn and grow and know that it's not going to be perfect, that it's probably going to cost you time, it's probably going to cost you money. But things that cost you something always pay dividends in the end. And so looking at your hires as an investment, even if it doesn't go well, what did you learn from that experience? And how do you let your experts be experts? So if you hire someone, they're probably an expert. And if you are afraid and you're scared, you're probably going to micromanage them and not let them be the expert that you hired them to be. Yeah. The leaders are learners. I think you said, I love that. I love that. It's it's and leadership and as an entrepreneur is this constant evolving and learning and growing. And, you know, I, you know, you read about the CEOs who read so many books, you know, I have a goal this year of a book every other week because I'm constantly wanting to learn, grow, improve. Right. And I think that is part of leadership, but take me to, okay. I know that I quote unquote need to do my first hire and I know I'm scared, but what kind of advice do you give to somebody to say, do it? I would say the first thing is look at your life and look at your business and do you actually need to hire? Like, do you have a house cleaner? Do you have a lawn person? Do you get your groceries delivered? Like first ask yourself if what you're trying to create is more time. How can you create more time in your life that maybe isn't with your business where you can practice delegating, where you can practice communicating where you can practice letting an expert do something better than you would do it. And then once you're like, oh, okay. Cause a lot of times people are like, I don't want to hire a house cleaner. They're not going to clean as good. Or I don't want someone in my house or I don't feel comfortable or I'm afraid to spend that money. Like if all those things are coming up with a house cleaner, how do you think it's going to go with a VA? Yeah. 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 And so first like make a hire that you have something less on the line and start to practice. That's really good advice. That's really good advice. Because it's just, it's an easier way to do it. If you don't like a house cleaner, nothing's going to happen to your business. Like it's okay. But you, it feels like less is on the line because it is, and it's good practice. Once you've hired a house cleaner, once you have a lawn person, once you've hired someone around the house and you're like, okay, I've practiced a little bit delegating and letting go, sit down and ask yourself, what do you need? to feel supported and what are you willing to take the time to slow down and train someone on doing? Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I see a lot of first time hires of things people just don't like to do, or they don't even know how to do. Actually, that's what I see more. They just skip over. They're like, oh, well, I'll just hire somebody to do that. There's one extreme or the other, the I'm never, I'm never going to hire anybody and it's going to take me forever, or I'm just going to throw money at it because I I don't want to have to do it. And I have to admit, I was slightly guilty of that in certain areas. What do you say to the person who's like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to hire it and I'm going to learn how to do it. I mean, there are some things like I'm not a graphic designer. I know how to make things in Canva but a graphic designer can do something a whole lot prettier than me. Mm -hmm. And so there are some things that probably wouldn't make sense for you to learn, but a VA 
you need to know how to do the tasks that you are teaching them because how do you know if they're doing them correctly? Otherwise, they're just going to do them their way and you're probably going to feel frustrated because the way in your mind and their way is probably really different. And so you should never ask someone on your team to do something you're not willing to learn and do yourself. Oh, that is so right on. That is so right on. I, even when I was you know, running a theater, I, I would say that. Like, I'm not going to ask you to bungee jump from the sky, you know, in a, in a tutu unless I'm willing to do it. You know, and I would probably be willing to do it because it sounds fun. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to ask you to do something that I haven't at least entertained, right? That I wouldn't agree to do. Um, you know, I was really referencing like Facebook ads because Facebook ads seem to be, the, or Instagram ads or Google ads, they seem to be the thing that people don't want to know how to do and can, and can lose the most money. You can lose it so quickly if you're not careful and you have no idea how to speak to. And this goes back to communication, I think, of needing to know enough that you can communicate with whoever it is that you're hiring. I think that's what you were indicating with your VA. You've got to be able to hold a conversation and have knowledge. That's not to say that you forever need to do your Facebook ads or forever need to do all the VA activities, nor even have to have mastered them. That's even the bigger thing. I think that's the thing that people get confused about is that they almost feel like they have to master something. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like know enough to be an advocate for yourself and to ensure that the people you are hiring are the right people. Because if you can't speak the language and you don't understand, how do you know to ask them the right questions? How do you know that you're paying them the right price? How do you know that they're the right fit for your brand? Like, make sure you know enough to be an advocate for yourself. It's like, we go to the doctor. I don't know everything that the doctor knows, but I should know enough about my own body to be an advocate for my own health. And your business, like you should know enough about the things that you're hiring out to be an advocate, but you're not going to be the expert because you didn't go to school for it or train for it or whatever. Yeah. How important are SOPs, standard operating? So important. Like you need an SOP for everything you do, because if you don't have an SOP when your VA calls out sick or has a baby or quits or suddenly moves to another country and doesn't ever want to talk to you again, and you need to go in and do their job and you have no idea what they do on a day-to-day basis, how will those things get completed? And then things start to fall through the cracks. Also, if you have had to tell someone something to do something more than once, you need to go on your computer have something called Loom and record what you're doing. Like stop wasting time by saying the same things over and over because two things happen. You tell people how to do something differently when you're trying to create a clear message and you don't remember and you're wasting time saying the same thing over and over and over. Yeah, it's interesting. In the online space, there's this sort of trend of like get the lowest paid person you can possibly get. And I so strongly disagree with that on so many levels, not only the ethical reasons, that, 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 which that's a whole, that, that, not that, 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 but that's a whole strand that we could go down that I don't need, don't think we need to go down. But in terms of like getting the quality person, there is a bit of you get what you pay for in this world yeah. in the sense of how much is somebody going to invest in your business if you're not investing in them? I mean, if you don't shop at Walmart, why are you wanting a Walmart employee for one? And two, like you either enter corporate 
and it wasn't for you for some reason, or you knew it was never for you, and it was just this evil thing out there. Well, part of what makes it feel evil and icky and gross is the patriarchy in it of the people at the top are better than the people at the bottom, and we are going to overwork you and suck every ounce of life out of you and pay you the least amount possible, and we don't care about your life. If that is the message that you're sending in your business, and then you are then turning around and charging your clients thousands of dollars, but you're paying your employees nothing, like what message are you sending to the universe about money? Yeah. And what message are you sending to your employees? How are you creating loyalty? Like if you really believe that money is renewable and it circulates and it can come to you, why would you want people that you pay nothing to? It's just not conscious business, right? It's not conscious behavior. And and I don't think it's the business, at least it's not the business model that you or I ascribe to. And I think partly because of your years in corporate, you had such a firsthand view of it from the inside out. We all have seen it from the outside in, but those of you that have been on the inside, you see it from that that vantage point. Why do you think, and because this is a question I've never asked anyone, why do you think it trickled into the online space? Because we do what we know. And people are leaving the corporate patriarchy and believing that they are creating these soul aligned teams, Mm -hmm. but they're taking the knowledge from corporate of what they learned, save money, save money, save money. And they don't realize what they're doing. I don't think people are intentionally like, I'm going to create this business where I don't pay people well, but they live in lack and scarcity. And they're like, I don't make enough of my business. There's not enough. There's not enough to go around. And they live in this, uh, there is not enough mentality. And that is the mentality of corporate. That's the mentality of our society. Like there's this not enough mentality. So they say, okay, I need to hire someone. There's not enough. I can't really afford it. There's not enough time. There's not enough people. So how can I find someone at the least amount possible so I can buy some time back to get my sanity back? But that's all I can afford because there's not enough. Yeah, that's really right on. And, you know, there's oftentimes this people first, people first, but then the actions don't match it. And so I think it's really important as you're building your team, as you're building your business in the in this space, in the online space, or whatever business is, is that you have as a small business owner, to be very mindful of that, of the culture that you want to create, because you create the culture. You're the one who's creating it right? We talk about corporate culture all the time. You're the one who's creating it. Yeah. What kind of culture are you creating? What kind of culture do you want to create? You say you want to live this soul aligned life and that is your message to the world. Yet your team is not this soul aligned team. Like really look at your team and I'm so passionate about it and leaving corporate. And I I remember the day that I knew I had to leave corporate. I was on a CEO town hall And someone asked the CEO, what do you plan to do about employee morale? And he said, nothing. Until we reduce operational costs, that is my only priority right now. So I need everyone to put their heads down for the next two years and focus on reducing costs. And then I'll think about shifting employee morale. How'd that go for him? (laughs) I don't know, because I left. Exactly. (laughs) I remember feeling sick to my stomach. And I remember three HR directors quit that week and I knew what I made 
And I looked up his salary and he made $35 million a year. And I, I want everyone on this call to think about that. Like, what are you putting first, profits or employee morale? Because the higher the employee morale is, the more bought they are into your team, the more sold they are on your brand, the higher they can produce, the more innovative they are, the better their ideas are, the more they are willing to go to the mat for you. Because not everyone wants to be an entrepreneur, which is great because we cannot have a world full of entrepreneurs. It wouldn't work. We need people that want to work for people, but make it such an amazing place to work that they would do anything for you. And if you pay them well, you let their ideas be heard, you create a place of innovation and joy, like you create a place that people cannot wait to work at. Yeah. And that, that creates that, that creativity. That creates that momentum that builds your business. What that CEO had so backwards was that, of course, he's going to lose a bunch of people when you say that. Reduce yeah. the cost. I don't care about you. Like, yeah. you know, like, it, and yet in his mind, he couldn't quite realize that because of where he stood, sort of, like you said, in the patriarchy. In his 35 million a year, he couldn't understand what that actually meant. It was crazy to me, but it was, I remember telling my brother, and he goes, well, at least he was honest. Like most CEOs would just be like, oh Truth. yeah, I'm going to do this, this, and this. They don't do anything. So I did appreciate the honesty because that's really what he was going to do. And it pushed me to be like, oh my gosh, I cannot be part of this world. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to go create my own. Yeah. And so what a gift he gave you. Yeah. What a gift. Yeah. That was a very defining moment for me that I'm thankful because he's not different than other corporate CEOs. There are some corporate CEOs that are different, but not many. But drawing it back to the online space, how can we encourage people to make that shift? Like, what do you see as needed for that shift to happen? I mean, there are some of us, we're talking about it. That's how I run my business. That's how you run your business, mm -hmm. which is probably part of the reason why we connect. What is that shift? How can we, how can we move that? So I created this formula and um, I call them digital leaders. And digital leaders need four things, which are trust, empowerment, communication, and delegation. And those are inward and outward. So do you have self-trust? Do you have self-empowerment? What does your self-communication look like? And what does your self-delegation look like? What does your outer trust look like? Your outer empowerment, your outer communication, and your outer delegation. And if you can master those four pillars, you can change your business and change your life. Courtney, that's brilliant. That is truly brilliant. I've never heard anybody put it like that before for this space. And I think it's really smart, really, really smart. How can people study with you, come learn as they're building their team and or if they already have a major team, how can they take it to the next level? Where do they find you? So you can follow me on Instagram at The Wandering Manifester. I post a lot of content around how to build self-trust, how to step into who you're meant to be, how to have quantum leaps through self-trust. You can also, I have currently one-on-one -on -one openings, and then I am launching a mastermind this summer. It is called the Seven Figure Lounge, where entrepreneurs that are scaling from multi-six figures to seven figures, we will all work together on how to scale your teams. But I also believe that seven-figure entrepreneurs are very lonely. Because there's not a lot of people in that space. And I also want to create a community of seven-figure entrepreneurs who you can talk about these really hard problems with 
that not many, there's not a lot of people to talk about them with because there's not a lot of people who have big teams. There's not a lot of people who are doing these things. And I want to create a space where we can come and say, these are the really hard things about leadership. These are the really hard conversations I'm having with my team and they break my heart and I don't know how to do them. Or I am so afraid I'm going to lose my entire business. Because when you get to scaling to multiple six figures, you are not afraid to fail. Like you don't have anything to lose. But when you hit multi six figures, seven figures, you are so afraid of failure. But you can't tell your friends, oh my gosh, I make a million dollars a year and I'm afraid to fail. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I always say that to people that, you know, new people are actually afraid of success. They think they're afraid of failure, but they're actually afraid of success. And then once you hit success in some level, you're afraid of failure. Mm-hmm. It become it's like it flips at some point. There's like this tipping point that it flips. And I will say that those conversations that you're going to have in that mastermind are going to be amazing because I can tell you from experience, firing people, for instance, this is just an example. It's tough. It's really tough. I had to fire an 11 year old. That was not a good day. <laughs> in my, you know, of all the years, the worst day was the day I had to fire an 11 year old an actor, obviously, in a show, I had to fire them. And it was probably the most painful thing I've ever done. And I really, really needed coaching around it, to be honest, at the time, like, I really desperately did, because I had to, you know, crush a little 11 year old's dreams in the palm of my hand. It was awful. Uh, But but I always remember that moment, you know, and as I hire and fire, you know, that that sort of old saying of hire slow, fire fast, right? Like there's a reason to take your time and really know that this is the right person for you because the, that process is so rough. It's so rough. I also say when you are hiring and your interview questions, know what your brand is, know what your messaging is and ask people questions of how they already live out your brand and your message. Because totally. People that are obsessed with your brand and your message and are living it on a daily basis. Cause they hear things that, I hear people ask questions in an interview. If you were in a situation where you're like needing to help someone feel lighter and better about themselves, what would you do? Instead of saying, can you tell me about a situation in your life and like package your brand in a question to ask them how they already do it? Because if you have someone already living your brand, you don't need to train them. And because again, that comes back to the culture that you're trying to create in your brand. And if they already come in with, with a baseline of the same ideals and ideas and values as your brand, then they're going to be in alignment. That is solo line business. Mm -hmm. Like I love to travel. And so I want to have my team member, like team events when I do them all over the world. If someone doesn't love to travel, they're not going to fit in on my team. And you need to know things like that. Don't hire people that won't fit in with your life. Yeah. Yep. So totally get that. You know, it's interesting because every team member I seem to hire somehow has some sort of connection to theater. It just, it's just sort of naturally happening because that's my background and that's my, that's my verbiage and my knowledge. And that, you know, it just, even though we don't do theater per se, yes, we have theatrical projects in my big company, my bigger brand company, but no matter what, it just sort of has naturally found that way. And I think it's because of exactly what you're saying. The questions that I ask lead to what are you passionate about? And it generally, you know, comes back to that in some form or fashion. Courtney, 
thank you so much for being here and um, sharing your knowledge. I know people are going to want to follow you and come be with you more than anything else because you're, you're somebody to sit with and you've got an incredible brain. So thank you. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was so fun. And yeah, come hang out with me on Instagram. And I'm excited this summer to launch the seven figure lounge. But if you're like, no, I'm ready now. I do have some one-on-one spaces and I do also create some custom HR packages. So if like the one normal one-on-one won't be right for you because you're like, no, I have this team and I need actual HR support. I do offer that also. Awesome. So good. So good. Thank you so much, Courtney. If you enjoyed today's podcast, which I am quite sure you did, be sure to message Courtney and myself, of course, message us your takeaway and uh, be sure to go to iTunes and leave us a review. Thank you so much. And we'll see you next time.